Hey everyone, and welcome to the fourth episode of The Product Shop. This is a show where we talk with product leaders to understand their journey and stories when it comes to building great products. My name is Michael Nguyen. I'm a growth marketer here at Taplytics. Hey, I'm Dexter, one of the producers of the show. And my name is Kate McFarlane, customer success at Taplytics. We're an experimentation platform helping modern product teams build, test, and iterate on any app or website. For our fourth episode, we're joined by Amina Seigel, senior product strategist at Connected, as we reflect on her beginnings when she first stepped into the tech and product world, how Amina has used her past experiences to help guide Connected's clients through the product discovery phase, and learning what you can do to manage expectations with stakeholders when planning and building new product features. Thanks so much for joining Dexter, Kate, and myself, Amina. To start off, could you give the listeners a little bit of a quick intro on yourself? I'm a senior product strategist at Connected. I've been here for about two years. I'm originally from Pakistan. And that's where I, I grew up until I was 18, left for college to the U.S., did four years there in Providence and then eventually ended up in Canada. And when I ended up here, I was very new to the Canadian market and decided I needed to do my master's to get a lay of the land here and, and build my network and Through my master's, I eventually ended up in innovation consulting and strategy, which led me eventually to connect it. So full circle. Before we go deeper into design thinking, could you tell the listeners what Connected is? Yeah, sure thing. Connected is an end-to-end product development services firm, and we specialize in discovering and delivering software-powered products. And we essentially partner with some of the most ambitious product leaders at Fortune 500 companies to really validate your risk and accelerate their organizational product development efforts and ultimately enable them to build better products. That's awesome. Did you know that you wanted to go into product or was there any interest around that? Yeah. At Brown, I studied um, economics and international relations. So I wasn't really thinking about product back then, but I was thinking about working within business and primarily within consulting. And I think through a liberal arts background and studying outside of even econ and IR, other subjects like psychology, anthropology, a lot of these close to the humanities kind of courses that I took really made me think more about what kind of things we use every day and essentially where businesses intersect with everyday human products. And the tech scene has obviously been booming for the past 10 years. So I naturally, from consulting, found my way into tech consulting innovation and and then you landed up at idea couture and then connected so how was your time at idea couture what was your biggest learnings from there after brown i did my master's at queens and interestingly at that time during my master's i took an innovation management course and that was kind of the first time i heard about design thinking just that framework of thinking about users front and center instead of just looking for consulting jobs coming out of my master's i started looking at more innovation management type of consulting specifically and idea couture popped up as one of the leading firms at the time within the Toronto. So that's where I focused my efforts and eventually started there. I think the the great thing about Idea Couture was that we really worked at the very upstream efforts of a lot of the big Fortune 500 companies. So thinking about their newest products, thinking about their strategy for entering new markets, engaging new audiences, and generally just doing a lot of design thinking focused strategy, workshopping, and user research to inform a lot of the business decisions they made, which I think created a really great foundation for me to enter product. I think what Idea Couture gave me breath to was the the discovery mindset, but I wanted to gain a little bit more of the actual delivery of upstream innovation strategy and apply it to a product and deliver something to market. And that's where I made the jump to Connected because Connected really is an end-to-end 
discovery, but also a delivery product firm. So whatever work I do with clients, I eventually see come to market, which is the exciting part of it. You kind of described my transition into tech too, because I didn't do a master's in international business at Queens, but I did do a commerce degree at Rotman. And there was a course my last year. In fourth year, it was design thinking, which was really cool. It was run by the CEO and as well as a Rotman prof of Bridgeable the service design consultancy in Toronto, which was really cool. It was the first introduction into design thinking that I had. Um, We did a project with Scotiabank Digital Factory around creating an app. And around the same time, kind of similar to, I did commerce, but I took a class in consumer behavior and it led me into Taplytics when the sales director at the time reached out. It was encapsulated Taplytics, both experimentation, shipping MVPs. And I think the service design and experience design kind of lends itself to building a great foundation and understanding of user behavior that kind of lends itself to product. So I can resonate with your experience too, moving from a commerce background and into user research, user design and into tech. I think just generally working in product, you have to be so multidisciplinary. And if you have the background of coming from either humanity, social sciences, and being a, a wide critical thinker, you can bring in a lot of these different pieces and make sense of a bigger picture strategy or product or whatever it may be, but just generally being able to adapt and think critically in in any industry, in any kind of field is really what excites me. And I'm, I'm happy to do it currently. Yeah. I think the coolest thing that I pulled out from that experience of doing that one course was thinking about the whole end-to-end user experience from not even just the software interacting with the product, but how someone even gets to the product and interacts with it digitally was an interesting thing that I didn't really think about before those courses and introduction to design thinking and service design. Johnny Ive had a really famous quote where he was talking about how ideas are always so fragile to begin with. So they have to be nurtured and really taken care of before they really blossom into to something legit. How do you go about doing that while at the same time weeding out some of the noise? Because in that initial process, there's so many ideas floating around. How do you pick and choose which one you start working on? At Connected, we have this approach or thinking called hunch maturity. So generally, when you think about a hunch, it's something that you might have informed by some kind of pattern or some early research that you might have done. So you have a hunch that this type of product could be successful in the market uh, versus a guess not based in any research or any kind of validating background. It's just entirely a guess. So we essentially work with our clients on their hunches. So thinking about the early stage, very high level napkin sketch ideas that they might have, but taking them through rigorous rounds of business research, user research, technical research to figure out, okay, out of a a few different options, what are your most viable, feasible, but also most desirable concepts that come out of that and through different stages of essentially experimentation and validation and disproving or approving some of the early hypotheses that the, the client might have, we distill down to the top few different concepts that we can then prototype and test out and further move to delivery. So we through different stages of product uh, strategy, insights and validation to mature a hunch into a concept that is something that can be yeah. a product. So how do you balance the hunch maturity and business viability with stakeholders? The business viability lens is super interesting because I think that's where the client really is an expert of their business. So we really lean on them to inform 
what their goals are, what kind of metrics or milestones they're working towards from a business landscape. But then where we come in and help is maybe doing competitive research to see what else is out there. And sometimes not even just looking at competitors, but adjacent markets. So for example, I recently was supporting on this financial fintech project and they were looking at fintech players within the market. But another area that's doing a lot of user experience focus work is now insurance as well. So we gave them a view of that lens as well to show that looking broadly can also inspire new ideation, but also maybe encourage ways to partner up with different businesses and think about not just yourself in a silo, but in a broader ecosystem of products. Could you expand more on what business viability means to you? Yeah, business viability simply means to me, is this product uh, something that makes sense for this business to launch? And do we also have the business capabilities? So not just the infrastructure, but also the people, the talent, the partnerships to be able to launch this in the best way possible. So is it viable for the business? I want to hop back to something you said about looking at adjacent industries when you're looking to find either what competitors are doing or adjacent industries not in the same silo or vertical as a client that you're helping to help with ideation. So other than the fintech insurance example, both are regulated industries in the financial service realm. Have you ever looked even further outside into different industries to pull inspiration or ideation from like an e-commerce client to a fintech client, for example? Yeah, we do a lot of collaborative workshopping with clients, especially in the ideation phase. And one technique that I personally like to use is doing either foresight scanning or relative competitive industry or adjacent industry scanning to bring in a lot of different ideas that completely non-connected industries might be having. So for example, if we're looking at personalization as a concept within automotive experiences, I look at personalization in completely different industries and how they might have built that into products. So even going as far out as social media, music streaming, or whatever, non-related to automotive, but bring those ideas in to inspire new thinking around how might we build personalization within this experience. That's super cool. Because I feel like sometimes we're kind of doing the same thing in terms of like foresight scanning or horizon scanning. But in the past, I've done same business models. So we might be working with one client who is a media client, but they have a subscription aspect to their business or that's their business model. But there's lots of different other types of businesses in different verticals and industries that have the same type of revenue stream or revenue model. But I found that super helpful. So it's kind of cool to see that you guys do that at a broader scale too when you're looking at full go-to-market strategies for products and clients. It has an account on every subscription service, on, on every <laughs> yeah. like, news publication. The research phase of a project, I, I would say is one of my favorite phases because you're looking super broadly, you're diverging, as we say, and then eventually in an ideation or a prioritization workshop, you come back and converge into bringing all those different ideas into larger themes, maybe using your business metrics or business criteria as your prioritization criteria, right? Ideally, the way I would want to approach a product problem is really looking at it diversely through what's being done in the market and what are users looking for, but then also, okay, does this make sense for the business or why should this be slotted to the top for the client? What products do you really like right now? Recently, have you come across something where you're like, damn, I wish I thought of that? It's really funny, actually. During COVID, I really got involved in looking at Nextdoor. It's a local neighborhood social media app. It's interesting because obviously people have Facebook or Instagram or, or other social medias, but this one is super local focused. And as people were home in the past few months and just kind of staying around their neighborhoods, this Nextdoor app, you put in your zip code and it brings you just what's happening uh, within your community. So I just found a lot of helpful tips, services, even 
selling and buying furniture from your neighbors and just being close to your neighbors essentially met people through the app as well when you're trying to find a new vaccine did you follow vaccine hunters canada no so i followed it on twitter but yeah. on the next door app we had even more localized updates yeah about that. so i joined the discord and then there'd be separate channels for different locations like downtown toronto because it's based on eligibility for your vaccine or who's a hotspot or not was based on the first three digits of your postal code so then I got added through that whole thing, a specific Vax yeah. Discord, like offshoot server. And it has since progressed, not just for vaccine updates, but since everybody's double Vax now, there's different channels of like restaurant recommendations, neighborhood watch, marketplace. Yeah. It's cool that I didn't even know that Nextdoor existed, but I kind of found my way to like a mini localized yeah. group through Discord, which is kind of funny. But same thing. I like it a lot. It's kind of funny to know that all these people live within arm's reach. So I'm definitely going to download it next door. Could you actually talk about some of the biggest challenges when it comes to product discovery with some of your clients? There's actually two ways that we do discovery at Connected. So the first is we do a discovery project. We work with a client all the way from early idea to user research and uh, validation and then final concept. But then the other way that we, we do discoveries, we insert it within our delivery cycle. So for example, we're working on a product, it's already out there, it's already launched, um, but there is a need for validating a new feature or there is a need to uncover either something new or think about a new value prop within the product where we do a discovery sprint to essentially feed back into the engineering cycle. And that I think uses a little bit of a different kind of approach because in the upstream discovery projects, we really start from scratch. While it's here, you already have a lot of these product constraints built in. And it's more about how can you stretch the product in new ways to provide more features or do something new for the user. Have you ever had a project or a brief that was given to you that you've really struggled to get off the ground or find direction or where to go at the beginning? Yeah, for sure. I think the toughest ones are actually the projects where clients come in already made up their mind on, we want to go through product strategy and innovation, but we really know that we want, let's say, a voice concept. So they're already kind of tied to this idea that maybe some executive at some point said, this is what we have to do. So we have to think about solutioning and creating something valuable for the client, but within a constraint already. And I think the most challenging part of that is just making them think about the fact that we're going to do the product innovation sprint. We're going to go through user research, business research, also tech research, and figure out if this concept really makes sense to fall within, let's say, a voice concept, or are there other ways that we can bring this to life? Essentially, I think through that process, we kind of win them over to trust us a bit more by delivering an experimentation mindset so that we show them, okay, everything that you want to test out or build, we're actually testing, we're getting live feedback from users. And so we're either proving or disproving your early hypothesis of voice. And maybe it might make more sense that this is something that comes through an app experience versus a voice experience. So it really depends. But I think the thing that we really focus on is building trust of the, from the client within the process so that they can get unattached from the early idea that they might have had and think about what actually makes sense holistically for everyone involved, not just their business, but also the user. For sure. I kind of resonate with that too. It's really hard sometimes when a certain team has bought us, like experimentation. So the development teams, maybe the product teams believe in experimentation and have bought into the experimentation mindset, but the whole re-education of even execs has been a struggle for us sometimes to actually speak to the value of experimentation when we do invest the time to get that user feedback, like live user testing. So I know 
building trust within the process. But what else have you found super helpful in doing that re-education to a client that comes in as a really strong product or business? I think that the great thing we do at Connected is first off, we have those multidisciplinary teams right at the beginning. So even though it might be an early concept type of project where we're not actually building anything yet, we still have engineering presence so that we bring that expertise of, hey, down the line, is this something that will be possible because we're always kind of thinking through the lens of building the product in the right way towards the time of launch. So first off, we do that internally within our team. And I think the second thing that we do really well is we spend a lot of time on codifying and uh, capturing a lot of the process that we have been working on and involving as much of the team from the client side as possible. So I think unlike a lot of other services that I've worked with in the past, we actually work as a collaborative team with the client. So we involve them in our decisions, not just presentation stage of, hey, we've uncovered this, but through the whole process of involving them in the user research or actually making them conduct some of the the activities of uh, competitive landscape or hypothesis writing and validation through the whole process. This might be a pick your favorite kid question, but of all the things that you worked on, all the projects that you've built, do you have a favorite one? I would say my favorite products that I've worked on um, have been those that are consumer facing and the products where we've actually seen user benefit in their day-to-day use and we're getting insights real time from users versus platform products that also uh, is something that we focus on. But I personally like working at the user behavior side of things. Yeah, I think that's for us too. We're a B2B SaaS company, but most of our customers are direct-to-consumer. So it's fun to see how the end consumer is interacting with the customer's platform, which is running our software behind the scenes. And then Kate's like noodling and downloading it and playing around with the features. You're like, I'm in a test right now. You had a hand in creating this experience that people are either loving or hating. It's cool to see how people are interacting with it. Yeah. One of the more recent ones that I worked on was this fitness challenge experience, Slack app, actually. So within that app, users were using it daily to run a fitness challenge within their company. And so we had live data coming in from people every single day, and we were making product decisions and feature decisions week by week on which new feature to launch so that people could get even more function and delight out of that fitness experience. And it's cool because it's something now that Connected has applied in-house. So we use this app now to, to do our fitness social challenges within Connected. That's cool. Michael and Dexter had a standing calendar invite for like 100 push-ups a day. Still there. We may not attend it every time, but it's still in the calendar. We basically took out a lot of that calendar manual management and turned it into a Slack app, which is where employees are anyway. So one of the examples of a challenge was a steps challenge. So every day, completing up to 10,000 steps and you had a homepage where you could log those steps in. It would also remind you to do that. And it would also within Slack teams, you could see how your team was performing compared to other teams. So you had an individual motivation to do it, but a team motivation to do it. And then there was also a lot of helpful automated tips that would come to you for doing more steps or the benefits of more steps. So that was one example, but we had a couple others as well. I like that idea a lot. We should definitely implement that into our company. I think the Slack app helped the whole company hit about 18 million steps in a month. So it was a big effort. Other than the Slack app, have you ever actually been an end user of any of the other products that you've worked on? 
I actually have. So an older product that I worked on was an insurance experience for millennials. So essentially, if you think about millennials, we don't really think about insurance to a deep extent unless it's provided by our employer or something. So this was more of experience for us to get a little bit more educated about how to think about life insurance and at what milestones in your life you might actually need to increase your life insurance. For example, if you get married or buy a house, you probably want to increase your life insurance amount because you have more people in your life to think about. But it was essentially an online web experience to go through that education and learning journey and then end up with an insurance package, which I actually ended up using for my own. Once you start booking your own dentist appointments, it's like insurance is real. Yeah, Yeah. you start paying for that. (laughs) I realized that when I joined Taplex. I think essentially any product that I've worked on where it's something that I think I can use for myself or in my life, those are the ones that I personally enjoy the most. Do you have any big pet peeves about certain product experiences or features that you're just like, oh my God, this is so useless. Why is this here? I mean, I think user-centric design is all about that. I think generally products that make you go outside of the product to do something is can be annoying or products that just generally have a lot more steps to actually get you to the value prop of what the product offers are not great experiences. Anytime I'm trying to do something and the product is not letting me, it's probably the biggest. What do you think is coming next? I mean, QR codes are back after they died for the last, what, like 10 years when people were trying to to spin up QR codes. What's next? What's the next innovative digital experience? I think we're all going to have chips in our bodies. Honestly, I think coming back from COVID, it it might actually be digital experiences as I've read somewhere, or maybe I made this up, I can't remember, but experiences that are physical, but also digital that make you optimize a bit more in your everyday life, but in physical settings. You can imagine certain buildings now have elevators where (laughs) they streamline which floor you need to go on. And so you only get that elevator. But I think small builds where we can streamline more of our physical life is really cool. And that's something interesting to me to actually build service design for products that uh, we interact with every day. I know I used the voice example before, but I think voice or more functionality within that will be big as well. How do you use voice today? Because I feel like I'm biased and I can't imagine voice being super incorporated to my life and how I use tech. Are you an Alexa user? I am an Alexa user and we also have worked on products at Connected that have created voice experiences for the, the automotive industry. So that's one place I think where being able to use a a voice assistant within your car more seamlessly. And for example, if you set something up at home, like I set a destination where you get your car and it's seamlessly integrated and there is a voice assistant that is ready to give you directions, but also give you helpful advice as you might have issues with certain things within your car or rush hour or anything like that, just a more seamless integration in the automotive space is, I think, is something that is being explored even with our clients that we work with. I didn't think of that because it is the perfect storm or perfect environment for voice to do really well. And people use it seamlessly, like you said, it just makes sense because you're not supposed to be on your phone, even clicking buttons on the GPS or Apple CarPlay. I also don't use voice a lot, but I have a couple of friends that do. But I'm wondering how the product adoption challenge is. Is it integrations? Is it being able to just say a word? Like I have a Sonos and I never say like play something next. I just use my phone and I click the next song. Do you think it's more of us also being older and kids being more integrated in access to Alexa and Google Play? I've seen my little cousins built into how they just operate. So maybe that's something. Maybe it just has to always be listening. I think the other thing is like for just voice to be broader in terms of the languages they offer. 
for me personally, like I said, I'm from Pakistan and I do at home go back and forth between English and Urdu. And so does my whole family, right? So I think when we can get to a stage where voice is able to go back and forth between languages is where it's going to be really, really applicable. So Amina, do you have any go-to resources these days when you're iterating on product or product discovery? What are your big resources that you're always going to? I, I read Medium a lot. There's a lot of interesting frameworks and articles from actual practitioners on there. So that's a big one for me. But I also think even at Connected, because we have so much talent from all different backgrounds and experiences, we have a big culture of being teachers and learners. So we share a lot of frameworks practices around there. And I think one of the biggest tools that we do refer to quite a lot are the strategizer tools. So customer profile canvas and value mapping. So essentially this framework that visually illustrates your product market fit. The business model canvas is another one from Strategizer, but we adapt them a little bit to be even more product focused. And then I think generally I am a huge fan of design thinking tools like persona building, experience mapping, service design maps. And essentially, I think for a lot of those, you have a basic framework that you use, but essentially you do have to adapt it for the industry, for the product, for the ecosystem that you're working on. What's the best thing about working at Connected right now? Connected, I think, is a great place to be, especially if you want to work for a lot of diverse industries and on really cool emerging tech. So we have the the appeal of the product focus, but also working with some of the, the biggest clients that you can think of. And then just the culture at Connected of being super collaborative, super multidisciplinary, and then being teachers and learners through it all. I think there is a lot of trust within all of our practitioners to come up with creative ways to solve problems and work together to really think about what's in service of the product before any individual way of thinking or any individual opinion. We really think about product impact and also, of course, client impact as we work through our products. If you're interested in product and you want to learn more about Connected, definitely talk to Amina. She's got all the knowledge. We are growing very, very fast. (laughs) That's exciting. What's the size? I think we're around 150 now and hiring constantly with the world coming back to normal. Clients are in need of new product experiences as people return to the new norm. Well, everyone, that was Amina Seigel from Connected. We hope you learned a thing or two from Amina on what she thinks about when ideating and building in the product discovery phase. We'd like to thank the team at Connected for partnering up with us on this episode. So be sure to check out their website for some more resources on anything from product discovery, business viability, and even hypothesis-driven validation, some of the topics that we talked about today. They're quite the experts when it comes to building great product experiences, so check them out. Again, we'd like to thank Taplytics for letting us host this show. And if you're interested in hearing some more episodes from people like Amina, check out some of our older episodes featuring companies like Shopify and Top Hat. We hope you enjoyed this episode and stay tuned for more.